Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace Podcast. Kane and Shane back with you again at Shane P. Hallam at Debbie Kane, Debbie underscore Kane on Twitter. Make sure you're following us over there. Also, gotta plug if you aren't if you're listening to these podcasts and you're not in the Discord, you got to get in the Discord. It's in the description. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, it's in the description. Click on that link and be part of the Discord. There's over 350 people in there. So make sure you're getting in and you're enjoying it because the conversations are great. You can run trades by people constantly, rookie mocks, Devi mocks, all this stuff. And the best part, Shane, is it's free, completely free, no cost. No cost. All so check it. it out. It's been great. It's been awesome. Yes. So check it out. I think I think you'll enjoy it. Um, and it's it's just a great time to hang out with people um, and that want to talk football, right? And want to talk football all the time. And it's not just football. If you want to find people to play like Call of Duty Warzone with, you got it. If you needed help, like some of the toilets to title titles guys needed uh, help with Dungeons and Dragons, they got hooked up. Like. There's people that have so many different skills. We love talking about food. We love talking about barbecuing, all that stuff. So make sure you hop in. Um, it, it's such a great time. But Shane, something happened to me the other day. Yeah. Um, so I want to fully set the scene, right? So I live on a relatively busy street. Um, so it's And it's busier right before 8 a.m., right? So okay. two blocks... Um, two blocks one way is an elementary school. Right. It, maybe three-ish blocks, but it's like relatively close, right? In a small town, it's, you know, a minute drive from my house to this to this school, right? Um, and then you go the other way and it's a stoplight and like a block the other way, like if you keep going straight from the stoplight is the middle school, right? So like, it's school, school, right? So a lot of people are dropping their kids off at one and then driving to the other one, dropping their kids off, right? So backing up can be a nightmare, as as you can well imagine, um, because sometimes, you know, if, if you are leaving around that 745 time, there's also a bus stop on that road too, right? Ooh. So that can kind of, you know, push back traffic. I, I get it. Um, I have no problem with, with the buses at all, right? But on the way to the elementary school, um, down about, about, I would say close to midway between my house and this elementary school is a four-way stop sign. Okay. Right. Um, so I realize it's about a block, but it's also winter in Minnesota, right? Um, speed limit's 30. So I back up. 
I see a car that was at the stop sign and they're just starting to accelerate from the stop sign. That's like a block away. So like it's a small town block. Right. You know, right. So, so a smaller block, but still. Yeah. So I back up with my truck and then I'm already in drive and I'm already up to like 15 miles an hour and I get honked at. This person barely stopped at the stop sign, slammed on the gas, and then slammed on the brakes right behind me and honked. They were sure in a hurry, I guess, for something. So not just that, right? So we're going the other way, so we have the stop sign. Or excuse me, the stoplight. Okay. Go past the stoplight. The first turn is where I go to work, right? So I, I turn there. And as I'm turning, he slams on the gas again and honks as he drives by me. Oh, that, that's that's the dick move right there. In like this 90, 1997, like Honda Accord. Like slamming on, like driving without a care in the world. Honks everywhere. So here's the question, Shane. First, what would you do in that situation? I think is, is the main question. If like, I was, you. I hate honking. Yeah, we're in a small town, right? If I was you, I no, I probably wouldn't honk back at him. Like it's not gonna do anything. I'd I honk like, back at him. <laughs> like screw, yeah, screw this a hole. But right, and like I, I was. Uh, see, here's the thing, right? If I would have like gone in reverse, and like taken a few beats to like put it back and drive and go i can understand the frustration right sure but like there was i you have to assume that at some point people are gonna be in reverse right yeah yeah it's gonna happen there in that situation but to like full honk at me twice and he, he's not stopping at the stop sign fully. You know, he's obviously, like, kind of dicking around here. In the winter, for... Realize these are small-town blocks. They're not normal. Like, any small-town person knows exactly where I'm coming from, right? That, like... Th- so the time that it takes from that stoplight or that stop sign from my house, like, 20 seconds? Right, so like it's so, it's relatively small, you know, like it's quick. not, yeah. But for you to already be at full thirty, like because you know I backed out, so you probably got I don't know fifteen seconds in the winter in Minnesota, like yeah. because those tires almost screeched behind me. Like you got to leave distance in the winter of Minnesota. And I was like, because all that, I heard the brakes, and then I was like, if this guy hits the back of my truck, <laughs> because he's just being an idiot. Like, am I the, would you call me an asshole, basically, if I did that and like you were trying to like drive 30 and like you see someone pull out? Like, it's not like I cut him off. Right, right. No. No, I, I, I mean, I don't think so in, like, on a road like that, right? I, I should, probably shouldn't be doing 30. Right, like, it, it's, you know, in another block, block and a half is the stoplight. So, like, 
realize you're in a small town. Do I would even say do like 75 50 to 75% of people even go the speed limit? No. Like they're probably going under the speed limit most of the time in this small town, right? <laughs> but I I also think that if there was like a speed trap set up like so many people go over 30 on a road. Yeah. Because like there's just nothing really going on, right? Unless someone pulls out, there's just nothing. So but you got to watch for that. I was a little that I was peeved for probably about an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. After that. Uh, yeah, it, like it can suck. I I don't I'm not a very aggressive driver or a good driver, but I don't I don't get people just get angry driving like too often. I don't have too much road rage ultimately. But, but it sounded like, like this guy was like mad. It's a small town. You know, like would would this person still have done it like if he saw that I was like a 70-year-old man? Probably, Probably not. I don't know. I don't know. You might have. <laughs> but it's it's like just so ridiculous. Like I'm the one that ruined his morning. <laughs> At least that's what he feels. I'm sure. Took an extra what? 8 seconds out of his day. Yeah. It's tough. So you honk twice about uh normally if someone pisses me off, I was a little late for work that day. But if I was like pretty early for work, I would have been going 15 the whole way. <laughs> I, I, I do I do like doing that sometimes. Like I call that one the old Minnesota slowdown. Yeah. I uh I leave for work super early, like five in the morning, and there's just one truck at, that literally goes like forty 45 miles an hour on the street next to mine. And like, if I pull out in front of them, I'll, I'll go like 25 just to piss them off. Is I'm it like, a 30 mile per hour road too? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a 30 and he, yeah. he definitely is like 15 over. So I'll just dick with him and he rides me. It's I have my little electric car. He's a giant truck. Can't do a damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, but what we were going to talk about, we didn't even preface this today. We're going to be talking about 2022 rookie strategy. So I have some takes. I'm going to see if Shane agrees with them. He probably has his own takes about what he's doing with this class. Um, but I think the first thing that we t- got to talk about here, right, is we're going to see some stuff come out from a lot of people, I think, overall, right, that people are going to say that the 101 should be X player, right? If that player is ever a running back in a super flex league, they're not playing with value in mind, right? And if someone ever says that the value in this draft is to take a running back, they're wrong, right? If we break down value as a whole, right, what value actually means is that these players are worth more in their league's market at any time, right? So whoever has the peak value or the the peak price that someone's willing to pay is would be the most valuable over that period of time, right? If you're going, like, realistically, if you're going to tell me that someone like Brees Hall or Isaiah Spiller or um, Kenneth Walker is going to have at any point in the next, you know, couple of years going to have more peak value than a Malik Willis or a Matt Corral or Kenny Pickett. 
you're telling on yourself a little bit. Right? Because realistically, a quarterback is going to retain its value a whole lot better. And then you're also telling me, right? Because we know that a quarterback, too, is more valuable than a running back, too, right? We know that, especially in super flex leagues. So if if you're telling me that, then you're telling me that you believe that one of these three running backs is going to be a running back one. And more than likely, you also believe that they're going to be a top-tier running back. Because realistically, whoever the top 12 running backs are don't really matter. Like if you if you're oh they're a running back one that doesn't actually matter I only care if they're like a running back top five right if they're a top five running back everything after that is just like you know the people that used to be top five running backs true right so that's your that's your Dalvin Cooks that's your what Austin Ecklers your Nick Chubbs your Alvin Kamara's right Joe Mixon like those sort of guys are are that next tier right and then you have younger guys that are trying to break through and get into that top five, right? But realistically, if you're going to tell me that one of those top guys is going to, one of those top running backs is going to make top five, top eight running back, like it's realistically probably not going to happen unless they land into an incredible landing spot where they're getting a ton of, not only just a ton of carries, because we know that a ton of carries doesn't always equal top tier you know, fantasy performances, but that means that they're going to catch a ton of passes. That means they're catching at least 50 or 60 passes every season. Plus the 250 plus carries, right? Unless they're hyper efficient and scoring lots of touchdowns, right? So I don't really see that in any of these top three running backs, right? Or even a landing spot that's willing to give a player all of that work and the scheme that allows them to do that. So the quarterbacks are just incredibly safe. They're much, much safer than any running back you want to draft. So I, I agree with you. Now, I want to illustrate your point further, and then I have a question for you. Um, so let's even take like the 2020 draft, right? Like Jonathan Taylor is that running back that you're talking about, right? That's smashed yep. and right hits that. He's still right now in Superflex is not more valuable than Joe Burrow. He is not more valuable than Justin Herbert, right? So, like, now look, those are great quarterbacks, and maybe none of these quarterbacks are good, but maybe none of these running backs are good. So you're getting the same variance. You just have, as Kane said, kind of a safer built-in floor. If, if a QB is getting drafted in round one, they're going to be a starter in the NFL, you know, unless they Dwayne Haskins it for multiple years. and going to be, you know, even, even if they're Mac, you know, Mac Jones is worth a decent amount. He's, he's getting drafted top 12 to 14 in super flex leagues, top 12 to 14 quarterback. I mean, he, he's getting drafted that way. Like you don't have to even have to, you know, Kenny Pickett might not be an explosive fantasy star. He's starting for a team. That's one of 32, you know, and the running backs not, let me ask you this Kane. If, if, Bijan Robinson was in this class. He'd be my 101. Would he be your 101? Is, I think so. Because he's that good that he in this quarterback class doesn't have that elite player. Right. But I think it's also playing in Debbie Leagues, it's basically that uh Bijan Robinson is valued as a top five running back currently. He is. Right. So like 
I'm already getting that top five. Right. So, um, it's, so it's probably more realistic that he ends up losing value rather than gaining it. Like overall, right. If, if someone's already coming in with like top three, top five running back, more than likely they're probably going to lose value because it's difficult to go up from there. Um, but, but like you were saying, um, I think we have some, I realize that the quarterbacks aren't like top tier quarterbacks, right? And we don't have top tier running backs, but a quarterback two will always be worth more than a running back two. That's just the way that it is. Right. And the fun part, right. Is that though Zach Wilson did not have a great season, he's still being drafted like in the in the dynasty trade calculator he's still the 17th most valuable quarterback right so he didn't have a good season mike white played better than zach wilson out of all these quarterbacks in the 2021 class right it's 2021 class yeah 2021 class um mac jones had the highest points per game which was still less points per game than ej manuel had as a rookie Right. So let's not act like any of these quarterbacks were just super, super great when they played. Not to mention that Trey Lance didn't like what did he start two games? He started two games and he didn't lose any value. He actually more than likely gained value. So you're telling me now that a quarterback that even sits year one isn't going to lose a ton of value a backup comes in and plays better than him still doesn't really lose a ton of value is subpar like Trevor Lawrence was didn't lose any value realistically right Trevor Lawrence is still a top 12 quarterback in dynasty not in points per game or points but he is in value so like all of that can happen right and they're still there, right? The values haven't changed that much as in these quarterbacks. So I think if you're looking for a value gain, or realistically, it doesn't even have to be a value gain. If you're looking for not a value loss, your best bet is on a quarterback. And if you don't like them, if you don't like what you see, you're one. Like Kane's saying, they're they're not going to lose value. So you can trade them. You can trade them, and you can probably trade them for a twenty three pick, or you can trade them for you know for something different. Um, I, I even go a step further in this class with you know what we saw at the Senior Bowl too. I, I think, and a lot of people are popping up Traylon Burks as the one on one, even in Superflex. I don't think it's a good move. Like Malik Willis. It's going to be a fantasy stud, even if he is terrible. Even if he can't throw out, you know, through a paper bag, he he's going to run, and that's going to be fantasy points. It's like like if he goes in the top twenty of the NFL draft, how do you not take him one on one? I don't even care where he is. But in six months, unless Traylon Burks absolutely smashes, right, and he has to absolutely smash you can trade Malik Willis for Traylon Burks plus. Yes. Plus something. Like, that's just the way the value is going to trend. 
And I realize the value of Traylon Burks is going to get out of this world. But you don't think any other rookie's value is going to get out of this world? They're going to. Like, I realize that this class doesn't have a lot of talent, but this is the class that we have. And people are going to want to take shots on, on these players. So um, th- those are my quarterback thoughts. I think it's fair. I, I just think super flex people underestimate what what those quarterbacks can actually give you value-wise. You can charge so much if you have more than the people that need them. And I, I, I realize the point of, you know, people say, well, I was able to win a league right, with Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill. Like, yeah, you were also able, you didn't, like, draft all those players. You traded for some of those players. And the best way to make your team better is by constantly increasing the amount of value on your team. That's that's just the way that it goes. But I want to dive into running backs, too, because um, I, w- I was on the pod with, with Scott Connor, Dynasty and Chill, so I'm not going to like get into everything we got into over there. Um, but I thought he asked a really good question, and I want to ask you a similar question, Shane. What running backs in this 2022 class can transcend an average landing spot and actually be a top 12 running back? Whew. That's, that's slowed it up. Um, transcend an average landing spot next week. I, I don't know. I don't know if there is that running back in this draft. Like, I, I don't think I'll even say like top 12 in points. It doesn't have to be top 12 in value. Gotcha. So just, just like having an RB one kind of season. Yeah. Um, I think that I think Brees Hall can, but I don't think it's going to be pretty. Like I don't think I don't think he'd hit top twelve value if that was the question, but I think he could, you know, like the Bears for David Montgomery wasn't a, a, right. a smash landing spot, right? I think Brees Hall could do that. Um, I I I think I think that might be it, and I don't even feel great about him. Like I, I think Isaiah Spiller is good, but he's bigger. He's going to need touchdown opportunities. If 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 it's if he goes to a team that's not going to run in the red zone. I don't think I don't think he's gonna do it. I, I don't think Kenneth Walker is, you know, maybe could, but once again, would need the system in place for him. And then I think the next tier of guys, maybe there's one guy that could can emerge that is much better than we think, but I just don't think it's there. So I would say Brees Hall, maybe. That's about it to me. So my answer to that was three. Three guys could have the possibility to do that, right? Um the first one was Brees Hall. I think out of the top three guys, right, he has the best chance to be able to do that. Um, then the next one for me was Rashad White because I think he's one of the best pass catchers in this draft. So so realistically, right, he could get 80. If he catches 80 passes and he runs the ball maybe 180, 200 times, there's a chance he probably squeaks into the top 12, right, That's just fair. on that pass catching work, right? In PPR leagues. And I think the other one is Tyler Allgaier. Um, Because I don't think he is his peak at running back yet. Right? I think he's still learning the position. 
because he was playing linebacker and then switched to running back. Like, I still think he's learning the position, and I think he's still getting better at it. So that's why I have him as kind of that third option. Um, but realistically, the answer, like, your answer is really similar to mine when it comes to, like, that. this seems scary for Kenneth Walker and Isaiah Spiller, right? Right. I mean, they, they need good spots. That's what that's what that means. Yeah. They, and they and it. we don't really know what those good spots are. It's true. It's like like I have spots in mind, but I don't think there's any hugely available spots that I'm like, yes, this is smash. Maybe maybe one now. Maybe Miami with Mike McDaniel and the Shanahan zone blocking scheme. But like you know, I, I want to think Arthur Smith in Atlanta could take a Kenneth Walker and Isaiah Spiller and build an offense around the, the run game like they did in Tennessee. But I, I don't know if that's true. Like, I think it's tough to see these spots, especially when none of these guys are first-round picks, to feel like a, a team's going to take them. I, I think it's tough to assess landing spots that are absolutely 100% great for running backs right now. What I think with... Ten- with um you know, Arthur Smith moved from Tennessee to Atlanta. Atlanta still set up an outside zone run scheme for now, right? So for Kenneth Walker or or Isaiah Spiller to really go in there and truly smash, I think would be difficult. Just be, like, I, I think Isaiah Spiller has a better chance that he could do an outside zone run scheme to me than Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think Spiller could do it. But I, I don't think it's going to be super great. I think you have the best chance with power. And I, that's also why Brees Hall can Brees Hall can fit in any scheme um, and, and be successful. So I, that's probably why I would prefer him to those other two. Um, but value-wise, I think Isaiah Spiller and and Kenneth Walker are going to be more than more than likely top eight rookie picks. Oh, yeah. Which is which is a bit scary. I mean, it just comes down to like day two running backs, and like you said, if a Tyler Allgaier or Rashad White goes round three, I mean, uh, you know, I think to a decent, to even an average to above average spot, I think people w- will have that debate um, because I, I don't think Hall, Spiller, or Walker at this point feel that much of a step up. Uh, when the draft capital maybe is a round difference. So it, it's, it's scary, but teams, fantasy teams need running backs as well. And so back end of the first, like people are going to take shots uh, on these guys. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. Um, do you have any big thoughts about the wide receivers? I know it just seems like a cluster at this point in the middle, but uh, do you have big thoughts on these guys? I I, I kind of do. Like, I think that I, I, I really think the top, I would say, you know, that, that top five that we all are talking about, right? Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Jameson Williams, Chris Olave, guys that are going to go in the top 50, we feel like guaranteed going to happen, you know, feel good to me, but not great. Like, I, I almost, for fantasy, Garrett Wilson's the only one that I feel like super confident in because he can just separate really well. I think he could be, um, 
a volume receiver. After that, you know, Burks, London, great players, great NFL players. I don't know about fantasy. Jameson Williams, same thing. You know, Chris Olave, same thing. Um, and I think that next tier is where the, the value is going to end up being in, you know, round two of your fantasy draft. Like Christian Watson now is from North Dakota State's moved up there. Um, a guy I've been talking about for a while, David Bell. Like, I think that's where, you know, the George Pickens, the, the um, Wanda Robinsons, right? I think that's where the value is going to be. Are those guys going to be that much different in terms of production than, you know, maybe Traylon Burks even, who's super talented, like we've talked about on the podcast before. It's got to be a big play guy. You know, you might you might get volume with Christian Watson that, you know, you're not going to get with Traylon Burks. So I, I think I'm going to be trying to trade down, get 23 picks to move down the second round and take my favorite receiver there rather than take one of the top guys personally. Are you still in, in the, I know a lot of people are talking about you should be trading down from the one one trying to get, you know, if you could get a mid and a late first, that would be a good play. Are you in that vein as well? Or do you think the one one might have a special player? I think for Superflex, I, I want the one one I, I, th- I think I do want Malik Willis there at this point. Um, maybe we'll see where Matt Corral goes and how high he goes. But no, I, at this point, I would not want a mid to late first for the 101. Now we start getting to 102, 103. Now I'll consider it. But then you're moving out of quarterback range. And like, like Kane just talked about, you're really moving out of quarterback range to take one of those running backs. Is that really worthwhile? I don't think so. I think for, you know, for my non-Debbie leagues, like I need a 23 first, right, to move down with a late first or with an early second and 22. Like I, I, that's that's what I need. And, you know, that's, that's what I want to gather is the 23 firsts where I know there's receivers, I know there's running backs, I know there's quarterbacks. I will say another thing that I'm doing in, in leagues is when I'm trying to make a trade, um, I'm kind of wanting to, see if someone will add in a 2022 third love it um because i think there's going to be some talented wide receivers um you know and some tight ends that are going to be scattered amongst amongst this third round that i think are going to be really really interesting so i i I, I kind of want to take those picks yeah and like i've been saying before like this is a deep draft in general you want to guess how many Receivers are eligible to be drafted in this NFL draft? 25. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think <laughs> I thought I thought I thought a real number was coming. He's like 25. Yeah. 162. Um, ooh, yeah. 162 receivers. Like Guess what? The guys that are, you're going to pick in your fantasy third round, the Velas Jones Juniors, the Alec Pierce's, the Calvin Austin's, pretty good. Yeah. I think an, the other thing, I think strategy wise, is if you have, you know, a player that you're holding out hope for, that fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round wide receiver that hasn't made really any noise that came from this past draft. I'm trying to trade them for third, fourth, fifth round picks. Um, because 
I think the wide receivers are just better in this class than the last draft class. So I'm I'm trying to almost re-roll that and seeing if I can hit. I'll give you some name examples. I'm trying okay. to re-roll Rondo Moore, Terrace Marshall. If you give me a second, um, I'm in. Like I'll, I'll re-roll those guys. I'll even probably move Kadarius Tony for a second. Um, yeah, I mean th- those kind of players. Like I'm down. I I just want the chance to see if the next guy will hit, right? Because realistically, if someone's not hitting after the first year, more than likely they're probably not going to do it again. So I don't mind. I'll even re-roll for like third-round picks for Josh Palmer, Diami Brown, Dwayne Eskridge. And now we're getting into fourth-round picks. Like I take a fourth for Dwayne Eskridge. Um. I love Anthony Schwartz, but I'm probably going to take a fourth for him. Anything under that, heck, I'd even take a fifth. Mm-hmm. Right? Amari Rogers, um, Tutu Atwell, Tylen Wallace, um, Seth Williams, Sage Surratt, like even fifth round picks. Um, if anyone wants to give up a fifth round pick for that, because the chance that I get to re roll for even something better is worth it. I, I love I love that, and once probably once this, we're done recording, I'm gonna go look at what what rosters I like Anthony Schwartz on. I'm gonna offer him up for a third or a fourth or something. That's yeah. Th- this class is just deeper because everyone went back to school that could go back to school. So yeah, I mean it, even the running backs like you could take a running back in the third or fourth round of this rookie draft coming up, and you know. Uh, are some going to bust? Probably most of them should take in that late. But, the, you know, there's a good bunch in that 10 to 15, RB 10 to 15 range that, you know, could hit with a good situation. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. So I would rather just re-roll that, that player rather than, you know, holding out hope. Um, like, if I could get, like, you know, even the last pick for, like, a Cornell Powell, Right, like, yeah, he's not it. worth anything. But like, even if I could get that last pick, um, it, it's worth it to try to make my team um, any semblance of better. Um, but Shane, you want to teach me a little bit of something? Hopefully, it's about the Gilded Age. Oh yeah, I was gonna say you had a request. Yeah. So. Okay. So this is why, right? So if you have HBO Max, Shane, you probably would like this show. Like the Gilded Age on HBO Max, I think is really great. Um, they've put out a few episodes now. I think two episodes now. Um, they, I've enjoyed both of them. It's the same, like I want to say, the same writer and/or director of Downton Abbey. Oh, okay. So like, it's basically like I reached out, I reached out to one of my friends, Ricky Valero, who who does a lot of writing for like TV and movies and stuff. Um, recaps and and breakdowns and stuff, and I was like, "This is just the American Downton Abbey, right?" And he goes, "100 percent." So, <laughs> um, I love Downton Abbey. It's a great show. Um, the movie was good as well. So, I, I kind of want to uh, continue watching this, but I feel like I need a little more information to fully understand what's going on. Let, let's do it. Let, yeah. Let's 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 break down the Gilded Age. So. The Gilded Age was uh, this kind of economic boom in the United States post 
Civil War to turn of the century. So about you know, 1870s, usually when it's it's Gilded Age starts to 1900. Um, and you had the North and the West of America really prospering. The North was industrializing. That's where the money was being made. The West, Transcontinental Railroad, uh, Transcontinental Railroad, excuse me, was being built. Uh, and so, the, you know, farming cities were popping up along the railroad. The West was starting to blossom um, as an agricultural area. It was the first time that we really noticed that the wealthy were getting wealthier and the poor were getting poorer, right? Like the income gap was growing and that was kind of being noticed. Um, politically, the president had very little power. One of the rare times in U.S. history, like no one cared about the president. Congress had all the power. The presidents were really figureheads for most of this, um, and their their job was basically to get their friends' jobs. Um, political corruption was pretty massive. The spoil system; people could just give their friends uh, jobs and get big money and take money, and that was kind of even local politics was really built around um, just getting as rich as you could off the political system. Um, some cultural issues. So prohibition, that talk was starting. I don't know if that, that might pop up in the show. Some he heavy anti-immigrant talk, especially against people from Ireland, Italy, China um, was pretty common. And then, um, you know, economic issues, tariffs, that kind of thing. Uh, unions started growing. Kane's favorite. Um, they wanted to an eight hour workday and ended up ending child labor during the Gilded Age, which I think most people would say was good. Um, I don't know too many people that are pro child labor um, because they've immigration. Looking at you, Nike. <laughs> I, I guess that's true. I shouldn't speak too much. Um, but, uh, you know, Catholicism grew because of the problems. The next era is going to be the progressive era where there's kind of fighting to for social change in the South. You still had Jim Crow sharecropping was big um and you know this uh, that was kind of the situation like it was about industrialization leading to people owning industry getting really we're rich the poor working for nothing because there's no minimum wage there's no nothing um but you know it was the first time america was starting to kind of grow into more of a power and like the presidents rutherford b hayes james garfield uh, who was shot and killed because of the spoil system, Chester Arthur, Grover Cleveland, and Benjamin Harrison. So not, not, not the most well-known bunch. So he, he, can I ask a few questions? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in, in this age, right, this is one of the first times where like people that weren't as wealthy were able to make like a lot of money, right? Correct. With, with whether it you know with railroads or or with any sort of thing right it seems like at least in the show that that it's almost like this new money is trying to be the same as old money in like new york city basically we, we kind of get the first middle class right because you have kind of managers of these industrial complexes so people that were poor actually had jobs to like get promoted to that could make more money. And that became kind of the new money. Whereas those like owning the factories generally still were the old wealthy bunch. Now the North, it was pretty wide open. Uh, so if it's taken place in New York city, then that that's probably that reason. Boston right. and, and that stuff. And I think this is a time where there's a lot of incredibly wealthy people. Like there are some people like amassed wealth, right? Cause you have the Vanderbilts with a ton of money um andrew carnegie um is it james rockefeller 
uh, Nelson Rockefeller. Name. All right. James oh, that's Nelson. Still later. Yeah, James. Whoever. Um, I'm just guessing at their first names. Um, but like all those guys had a ton, a ton, a ton of money. Right? So they were just basically able to also dictate, you know, what you know, what politicians chose to do. Right. And that became the goal of, of politics too, was just to get rich. Right. So they didn't care. There's no anti-monopoly stuff like go be a monopoly, right? Just buy up all the competition and charge whatever you want for steel and everything else under the sun, the railroad, all that. And one of my favorite characters in, in this new show, just so you know, is, is loosely based off of um, one of the Vanderbilts. Oh, that's fun. Um, so it's a lot of like uh, railroads, obviously. So that was that was the Vanderbilts. Right. Um, the whole vertical integration. So, yeah. It, it so, was it was John Rockefeller. Nelson Rockefeller was a vice president later. I was yeah. so you, so, you nailed it, Kane. You nailed hey, it. I'm I'm <laughs> on something today. Um so like check out that show. It's on HBO Max. I really, really like it. But let's dive into our buys and sells here. Um I'll start. I'm I'm just gobbling up third round picks. That's my buy. Um, because I think realistically you're gonna have some pretty solid players. And a lot of the people that that you know go second round or that we think are gonna go second round might not give the draft capital, and that'll push them down into the third round, even though they're talented. And we're learning more and more that even like fourth round is is okay. Um, especially when it comes to running back. So I would I would rather take those shots in, in the late second, third round. So that's where I'm buying. Um, selling, on the other hand, um, I am... I'm selling the other running backs other than Brees Hall if they are going to be drafted in the top eight. That's where I'm at right now. If they're going top eight, I don't want anything to do with them. Um, I would much rather take any of the two wide receivers, um, four quarterbacks, um, you know, uh, running back in Brees Hall, and then someone else, right, that's going to come in, right? Someone's going to come into that tier. Yeah. Um, so I, if it's if they're outside the top eight, Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller, totally fine with it but if they're inside that top eight i'm not taking a chance um and unknown i think just the whole tight ends i think are incredibly unknown to me in this class because obviously tight ends incredibly uh you know incredibly draft capital dependent that's really really important to get that draft capital that hit rate is changes a lot based on the draft capital in which they get um but it's also dependent on uh you know combine numbers combine numbers are very important uh to get athletic tight ends um and i'm just i'm it's unknown because i don't know if we're gonna see a lot of tight ends where they might look relatively athletic on tape but then that athleticism is nowhere near what we're seeing on tape uh, especially with smaller school guys just because they're with not as great of talent so they look better so I wonder if that testing might just be a little bit lower than than we kind of anticipate it to be. Well, I'm going to slide right into my cell because it goes with what you just talked about. My cell is Trey McBride, tight end from Colorado State, for, for the reasons you're talking about. Had a 
good senior bowl, getting talked about as tight end one. Um, and um, in our Discord, uh, uh, Nelly discussed our analytics guy talked about like, should I trade Trey McBride now? I think yes. I think before the combine, I don't think he's going to be super athletic. And that's what you need for tight ends that go day two. That's probably where he'll go. Like sell him now while the hype's kind of there. So I'm with you, Kane. That's, I guess, my take on the the tight end part. Uh, I would sell him um, and see what happens from there. My buy is uh, someone Kane's touted on the show before, James Cook, running back from Georgia. Yep. Um, you know, you talked about Rashad White being that pass catcher that maybe could sneak into a top 12. I think James Cook could be that guy, too, in the right situation, in the perfect situation. Now, I think he needs a little bit more help. Uh, than Rashad White, but um, I think day two is still within his wheelhouse. And someone may have drafted him as a Debbie somewhere, you know, that could be sitting on a roster, take a look and check. You probably might be able to get him cheap and get, you know, a top 100 running back. Now, my unknown is is Jameson Williams um, for Alabama. I released a seven-round mock draft this week, and, I, man, I just had trouble plugging him in or where his pecking order is in these receivers still because of the injury, because he won't work out. You know, I think teams will like him, but um, I I almost think maybe we in the fantasy community are hyping this receiver class a little bit too much. Maybe the, they'll fall a little bit. And uh, so I'm, 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 I'm not sure though. He's still, ha- he's still really fast. Teams like fast guys. So maybe I should just accept he's probably going to be a top 20 pick. Yeah. Like he's, he's crazy fast, right? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> So I, I, I understand where you're coming from, though, because a lot of those fast guys, you'd think that it's a little bit predicated on uh, right on the combine so they can get that number out there or even a pro day 40. And we'll see if he's able to. I doubt he's going to be able to participate in either of those. Right. Um, but that's it for us. Make sure you join the Discord completely free. Make sure you join that Discord. It's in the description of wherever you're listening to this podcast. Make sure you follow us at Debbie underscore Kane, at Shane P. Hallam, at Debbie Marketplace is the main pod. And we just want to say thank you so much for listening, and we appreciate every single one of you.